ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋ ಘುನತ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತನಸ್ತು ಮಾ ವಿಷಾಹೈ ಓಕೆ ಕ್ವೆಶನ್ ದಟ್ ಐ ರಿಸೀವ್ಡ್ ಕ್ವೆಶನ್ ಬೈ ಸೃಷ್ಟಿ ಇಫ್ ದ ವರ್ಕ್ ಪ್ಲೇಸ್ you don't mind my announcing your name or shall i just read the question all right in the workplace surrounding is not encouraging and discouraging then how to keep the mind stable and have interest in work so what do we mean by discouraging when you say the workplace surrounding is discouraging in what way is it discouraging uh, like many things like uh, uh, i i get nervous in front of everyone and uh, if the place is new uh, and there is constant uh, questioning of my uh, whatever work i am supposed to do but there is always a uh, doubt uh, that what to do but uh, everybody around me is also uh, not encouraging me uh, but uh, constantly saying things like uh, like i should leave or like uh, mm. because uh, basically uh, i have done masters in pharmaceutics and right now the department which i have joined is uh, uh, related to analysis mm-hmm. so i am new to so uh i'm just not sure about it so uh please uh, if possible have a meeting with the person who hired you and uh, i think that person knew you and they knew what uh, your background was and still this job was assigned to you so please meet with them and and say that you need to be trained it is true that right now you may not be familiar with what you are required to do number one because the place is new the job is new and your background is different that does not mean you cannot do it what unfortunately we don't have a system of training new people in united states for example we join a new company there is a training program sometimes stretching to 6 months 3 months 1 year depending upon what the kind of uh function is so that the employee gets familiar with the organization familiar with the people familiar with what he or she is required to do they also impart training so the person gets required skills so this is how people are you break into the situation you know you, that's how they facilitate a new person to uh, to blend into the existing situation now that is not done in india you just throw into it and left to yourself which is not fair to a new person so if you feel nervous it is understandable and you are very conscious also that you don't have the background you don't have the skill and things like that maybe a little more conscious than some of the people and therefore uh, uh maybe therefore lacking a self confidence because of which uh, it's likely that you are more nervous and a nervous person is likely to make more mistakes you know so if possible please meet with the person who has hired you request that person that you need to be broken in I mean you have to you know so uh, is it possible that there is some kind of somebody can train you some senior person in the department can train you can uh, counsel you or uh, you know mentor you so they can uh, have a person who is senior experienced 
who can mentor you so that you slowly become familiar with what you are required to do. Uh, he also introduces you to other people the way you should be introduced, not the way people uh, want to judge you, you know. And so uh, I think this is what is their job, which I think in India there is no system of doing that. And it's understandable that any new employee will feel nervous in a new environment. And as you said, when people are not very sensitive, that when a new person comes, how, how we should treat that person, etc., uh, that sensitivity will be. How, since how long have you been in this place? Since how, how long have you started working? Uh, just three weeks. Exactly. So, uh, it is true that it is their job to create an encouraging, welcoming environment. But in any case, if it is not done, I suggest you do meet the person who hired you and discuss with that person and see if they can have a mentor for you who sort of, you know, uh, trains you, helps you, guides you. That may be possible. Ask them. That it is true that you have different academic background and the kind of work that you require to do is different. Therefore, you need to be familiar. It is not that you cannot do, you can do. You need to be familiar with what is to be done. And if they can facilitate that part, it will be easier for you to, you, you may get a little self-confidence, present yourself more confidently, then also people will respect. So, try this. Try to, you know, see whether they can help you in this manner. So, they should know that you need a particular kind of help, which they are able to provide. And since they have hired you, they also have value for you, understand? They have seen something in you which is valuable. That's the reason why they hired you. I'm sure that they know that you have a different background. Your academic background is different. And still they have chosen to take you. That means they see some value in you. And there is, you know, for example, these days, in Western countries like United States, for uh, finance and for... They, they hire people who are unrelated to the background. You may be just a, a, an arts graduate, just a science graduate, and not familiar with the kind of work that they are doing. But they hire you because of your intelligence and smartness. Know that you can pick up anything, you can grasp things and you can grow. Similarly, here also, it doesn't matter what the requirements are. I'm sure that you can pick up, you can grasp, you can grow and you can do it well. You just need a certain time to become familiar and to develop that self-confidence. And they should help you and they will help you if they know that this is a requirement. So I think you try this. Meet with the person who hired you, discuss with them, see uh, what your needs are and if they can help you. Right? Okay. Any question? No. All right. Good. Okay. Then we have next question here. How do you more open-minded and acceptable towards society around, especially if the matter is affecting us personally? In general, ill from society can be ignored. But how to ignore when it is bothering you personally? So you just accept Kali you can move on. How do you more open-minded and acceptable towards society around, especially when the matter is affecting us personally? So, can I understand this a little more? Uh, Yes, Swamiji. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, so uh, what I meant was like uh, there are some decision making in the uh, like for the future life or like uh, accepting a new partner or like a new member into family. Hmm. So like how to be like in general open-minded in Kaluga 
that if you are like on the path of krishna or uh, krishna consciousness mm-hmm. but uh, like how to be like more open minded uh, because the world around is like uh, quite full of kaluga mm-hmm. so uh yeah world when you say kaluga there's a different set of values different uh, uh purpose in life uh so here our shiti has joined us very good welcome shiti oh, okay she has heard me good welcome so uh number 1 you try not to brand people the like kali yuga etc you know people are what they are everybody has a certain uh, purpose in life goal in life let us say to be happy to be successful but the way they see the success or happiness is different with everybody so each one is pursuing the same goal in their own way and uh, therefore uh, number 1 we should be sympathetic to them maybe they do not have the same kind of understanding that we have their understanding is different so therefore their methods are different their values may be different so we may not mingle with them feel that there is no compatibility with people around we may not mingle with them you can choose your own companions your own friends etc and circle at the same time be sympathetic to others for whatever they are people may not be able to fit our own expectations they may not have the same kind of values that we have and uh, but then in our mind we should not dismiss them should not condemn them should be sympathetic to them recognizing that this is what bhagwan or lord krishna has given them this nature is given to them this background is given to them this upbringing is given to them so person is what is because of the background the person has brought with him or her also the upbringing influences the person so we are all a product or what samskaras we brought with us what upbringing we had and everybody may not be as fortunate as we are to have the kind of upbringing that we had and so we have to be sympathetic because they are what they are not because they want to be like that that's how they are after a dog is a dog a cat is a cat you know and how we accept them we know that a dog can be like this a cat can be like this a cow can be like this So similarly, one attitude is to gracefully accept people as they are, even if they are not in keeping with our expectation of them. They may not fit my particular, you know, framework of expectation. I hope that there should be Satya Yuga and everybody should be kind and compassionate and following the path of Dharma and righteousness. we see that that is not so it is not because people want to be bad understand inherently nobody is bad inherently everybody is good but what we consider bad is something that is incidental it is not natural the example is sometimes even a piece of sandalwood you know sandalwood is fragrant by nature if the sandalwood is placed in water for a few days it starts stinking its outer surface gets rotted and starts stinking so even though outwardly that sandalwood is stinking basically it is still fragrant you follow just the surface is stinking yes so if you rub that with against stone that outer layer gets rubbed off worn out and the fragrance becomes evident 
So, what we see in people is only an outward surface. Inwardly, everybody is good. You follow? That there is a hope. There is hope that someday their true nature will manifest if they are given right condition. Even what you call a criminal, if given right condition, we can invoke from you a loving person, even before a cruel person, his own child comes, his own mother or somebody he loves comes, you can see the law manifesting in that person also, isn't it? That is his nature. And the criminality that we see is something unnatural. This is just for information. So that we respect everybody for what they are, not condemn them in our mind, them in our mind. That does not mean that we have to mingle with everybody, but at least in our mind respect them and keep a distance if you want, choose your own company. But if you basically accept people for what they are, knowing that they have no choice to be different from what they are. A dog has no choice in being a dog, you know. A cat has no choice in being a cat. So, so most human beings have no choice in being what they are. Because they are brought up like that. They brought those samskaras with them. Everybody has a potential of becoming God, you understand. But everybody doesn't know that. So, they are not following that path. They may be following path which is only destructive, possible. That is the kind of uh, uh, motivation they have been given by others. And so, uh, understanding this, basically in our mind, we respect everybody. We are sympathetic to everybody. And still, you can keep a distance. We are sympathetic to a snake also, but keep a distance. Sympathetic to a lion, but keep a distance. And so, if you are thus respectful and accepting and sympathetic to other people, you won't feel uncomfortable, you follow? And you know why they are, what they are, why they are. So, then you can be your own self. Similarly, bringing, uh, you know, uh, entering into a relationship of marriage, bringing some new person in the home. We, what is important is compatibility. How compatible your nature is with the nature of the person. And therefore, some acquaintance is required. It may not be the right away in one or two meetings that we decide. In India, we do that. Used to do that. But now things are different. And so, try to know the person. And know Basic nature, if the person is good by nature, person is, uh, that is, you know, so uh, compatibility, the cultural background, these things are important to bring a new person and uh, it needs time to be acquainted and, and understand the person. Right? Okay, good. Now, next question. Next question is, you have heard that everyone is born for a particular purpose. How do we recognize one's individual purpose? Now, depending upon who you ask this question. If you ask me, as a student of Vedanta, student of Bhagavad Gita, I would say that everyone is born with a purpose to do good as much as the person can, to be as much useful as you can, to contribute or spread happiness as much as you can, goodness as much as you can. You know why we say that? As I just said, because inherently you are a good person. 
And happiness is when there is goodness in you. We will discuss this later. But you are happy when you are a good person, you are a kind person, you are a helping person. Just watch out. When you even go out of your way and help somebody, in a little way, you give your hand to an old person, help them cross the road, you know. Uh, you find somebody is thirsty, bring a glass of water. Even these small acts of kindness, you know, this is called act of kindness. Every even small act of kindness will make you happy. You experience that. You, 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 you know, you watch out or observe that whenever you perform even a small act of kindness, you feel happy. Now, why you feel happy? Because you see that by that act, you contributed to the happiness of the person. When a thirsty person is given a glass of water, you can see the satisfaction or happiness on the face of the person. And you feel happy. And therefore, the happiness that comes by making someone else happy is a lasting happiness, what we may call pure happiness. And therefore, to be happy is the purpose of life, understand. Each one of us is born to be happy. That's what we love to be. We love to be happy. Now, how to be happy? By making someone else happy. That's what Bhagavad Gita teaches and we will discuss it. So, number one, are we born with a purpose in life? Yes. Number two, what's the purpose? To be happy. Number three, how to become happy? By contributing to the society, to the world, to the community, in whichever way you can. And therefore, your goal is to become the best contributor. How can you contribute? How can you give when you first of all acquire? That means that you have to look at your own potential academic potential, professional potential and whichever way you can, you invoke that potential. You tap into that potential and grow as an engineer, as a doctor, as a lawyer, as, as a teacher, as anybody. Nobody is superior, nobody is inferior. What is required is you should be good at what you are doing and enjoy what you are doing. And then later on we'll see how doing that with a, with a purpose that I want to be a contributor. I want to be, to contribute something in society, whatever little way it may be. A sweeper also contributes by doing his job well. So you become a contributor by doing your job well, whatever the job is. It does not matter what you are doing, as long as you do it happily and enjoy what you are doing, so long you are contributing. So that's the purpose. Purpose is not to become an engineer, that, that you determine what it is that is you are most comfortable with. Everybody has the potential. Somebody is good in mathematics, somebody is good in chemistry, somebody is good in physics, somebody is good in literature, somebody wants is good in teaching. Try to understand yourself. And don't like try to become somebody else. Because somebody is like that, I want to be like that. No. You want to be a good contributor. You want to enjoy what you are doing. And it doesn't matter. Don't judge yourself based on what you are doing. Though I am just a sweeper, no? A sweeper also can enjoy that work. As long as you enjoy what you are doing, you are a happy person. Therefore, we should not measure ourselves or judge ourselves based on what we are doing. Oh, he is a superior person, he has a more important job or less important job, there is nothing more important, nothing less important. What is important is, you are enjoying what you are doing. You are doing it well. 
and that itself is really the way to live life. All of these we'll talk about. So, what is the purpose in life? Everybody has one purpose to be happy. And Bhagavad Gita teaches what is the way to be happy? By contributing to the happiness of others. How? By doing our job well. How do we do our job well? By studying, training, equipping ourselves. And we are always a lifetime student, really speaking. Always ready to learn and ready to grow. So we should always undertake the process of self-growth. As far as the profession is concerned, our skills are concerned, we can, our value or purpose should be to be the best that we can in, our, in what we are doing. Not becoming like somebody else, but become as best as I can in what is given to me. Everybody is given some talent, you know. So everybody is given something. So, in course of our school years, etc., we know what we are good at or what it is that we like. And try to develop that. Then you will be happy, you will be comfortable with yourself. Just because my friend is an engineer, I will become an engineer. And then you may not necessarily be most suited to be an engineer. I don't think you should, I am not saying you are not, but it is better that you may perhaps like to teach, you may be a good teacher, good carpenter, good welder, good sweeper, good cook, anything. Whatever you are good, whatever you enjoy doing is, is you know, you'll do the best. Enjoy. And don't judge yourself by what you are doing. Well, what happens is that in our society, people are judged by the by where they are born, which caste you belong to and stuff like that. That's the complexes we have created. Fortunately, this kind of complex are not there in the Western society. Nobody judges you by what you are born, where you are born that you are Brahmana, Kshatriya, etc, etc. At the same time, what is a better job? That also is not there. People do what they like to do. Now, you may not have freedom to, all this freedom because your parents may expect this, that and so on and so on. What I am saying is, basically, we should see what we are good at and try to develop that, try to grow into that, so that you enjoy what you are doing and that is the most important. If you enjoy what you are doing, you will do it well. People will appreciate that you are doing it well. And so, uh, that appreciation also will come. So, the purpose of life is to be happy, but happy in this manner. The only way you can be happy is by enjoying what you are doing and with the spirit this way I'm I want to contribute something. Whatever has been given to me, I want to offer it. That spirit makes us happy. That's what is the way of life. Any question? Okay, shall we go to the next question? Approaching God for material wealth is condemned. Because there is no love for God. So this is so. You are generally, uh, if you if you go to God or Ishvara, I'll use the word Ishvara, and ask for a favor. Uh, please give me uh, wealth and give me prosperity and give me good wife and good partner, etc. People, some people, laugh at you, ridicule you. I would say that there is nothing wrong in approaching God or Ishvara and asking for what you want. He is our father. In the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, Pitahamasya Jagata, I am the father of the entire universe. Mata, I am the mother of everybody. 
Pitao, I am the grandfather of everybody. That's what he says. So when you are approaching Lord Krishna or anybody in whatever form, whether you are a devotee of Lord Krishna, Lord Rama, Lord Shiva, or Devi or anybody, understand that you are approaching your father and mother and grandfather and you have all the right to ask for whatever you want. You, you go to your mother and I, I want this, I want that. There is no hesitation. That's what mother is for. That's what father is for. That's what God is for. So, there is nothing wrong in asking for whatever you want. As long as you do it by in a fair manner, not by, you know, by compromising some values or law, as long as in keeping with the general code of conduct. That I don't know, snatch something from my sister. I don't ask father, hey, can I have what she has? Can I have what he has? No. That is not right because you are snatching away from somebody. You can only ask your father, dad, can I have a new fountain pen? Dad, can I have a new pair of shoes? He may say, no, all right. You should prepare for the answer also. When we ask for a favor, we should not demand that just because I ask that he is obliged to fulfill my expectation. No. That you have to leave it to them. But at the same time, all the freedom to ask what I want, as long as it is fair. Mom, mom can I have a, 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 you know, diamond jewelry? But that may not be fair. Because what my mom is and what I am, perhaps that request may not be fair. But looking at what my mom can give me and looking at what I am, it will be a fair request, you follow? See, looking at what I am, a fair request is made to God. I want to be a graduate, I want to be an engineer, I want to be this. Which is fair. God gave me the strength, God gave me the memory, God gave me this, that. Fair? So, as long as we are asking something which is fair, Within our capacity, you can't, you should not ask, you know, I want to be Prime Minister. You can ask, provided you are willing to, willing to work also. Understand that when you ask for something, they say deserve before you desire. And therefore, in fulfilling your request, not only is the favor of Ishvara required, or your father or mother is required, but you should also contribute your share. You know, when we are growing up in our home, you would ask mother, will you please make kachori in the evening? You know, you know what is kachori? So, puma kachori khaviji. All right. Atu erche. Fully nakha. So, we would be given the task, you know. I want to eat this, do this. So, this is what they, she would do to us. Meaning that we also have to contribute our part in fulfilling our desire. You follow? Ishwar also wants, not just you give and I am sitting here and you give me. That doesn't work. We also should be willing to do our part in fulfilling any request or any prayer. We complain sometimes. Our prayers are not answered. They may not be answered also. To praise your privilege, whether to fulfill the prayer or not is this privilege. So, it is quite alright that we pray to Ishwara for whatever you want, as long as it is fair. Same time, be ready willing that I should give God or Ishwara the freedom to fulfill my prayer or not. You follow? Because we become disappointed when our prayers are not answered, but when we, when we pray, then itself we are ready that we are willing to accept whatever he does. My part is to pray and I give him the, give the God freedom to decide whether he wants to fulfill my prayer or not. So, I pray at the same time 
I also make my own effort that is expected of me. Prayer should not merely stop at the level of mind. The prayer should also involve a physical action compatible with prayer. And then we leave it to God to fulfill the prayer or not. Fulfills, we are happy. Does not fulfill, all right, I understand. Then disappointment will not come. You follow? We feel disappointed. Sometimes feel that God doesn't love me. No. Just because he does not fulfill your prayer does not mean he doesn't love you. When you are growing up as a child, you remember that your mother also did not fulfill all your demands. Did she? Mom, can I have a candy? Okay, better. A second candy? All right. Third candy? No. So, when mother, good mother also would put boundaries, you know. Nobody gives you everything that you want because it may not be good for you. You wanted five candies, you know. That's how children, I want the whole thing. Not give you. Eating whole thing is not good for you. So, mother has to judge whether fulfilling your demand is good for you or not. And so, they will decide whether to fulfill or not. Or how much demand to fulfill. Because our sometimes our requests or demands are not fair. We do not deserve before we desire. We, you know, ask for all kinds of things. So, my request is not fulfilled. Maybe I need to deserve more. I should work harder. So, our effort should always be there when we make a prayer. And hope for the best. But you can go to Ishwara with any prayer that you, anything that you want. Because the child is privileged to ask whatever he wants, she wants from the parents. And similarly, you have the privilege to ask whatever you want. As long as it's fair, you know. Please give me what he has. No, that's not fair. And ask for what you think you deserve. What is within your capacity. I want a palace. No, that's not right, you know, because that cannot work. I want to be prime minister. Not right away. And so, our request also should be reasonable. You follow? And we should be willing to put up the effort that is required for fulfilling that request. Then also, we should give freedom to God to decide whether he wants to give or not. You can't demand that I made a request that you are supposed to fulfill that now. We have the humility. And we have Shraddha. Shraddha means trust. That even if it is not give me, it may have some reason. You follow? Even if my prayer is not fulfilled, I'm sure there's a reason why it is not fulfilled. And it's I accept it. That's called graceful acceptance. I accept. You know, things don't necessarily go my way. I accept them because it is Ishwara's decision. And I accept his decision. So, all this is involved in asking for favor. You just keep on asking without understanding Ishwara. Number one, God is our, is benevolent. He's a benefactor. He always wishes well of us. But what is good for us may not be clear to us, you know. A child may think that eating all the ice cream is good for me. Um, father may feel no. You cough and cold, you should not eat ice cream. So that request may not be granted. So we should leave that judgment to Ishwar. He did not fulfill my request, there must be reason. I accept it gracefully. Proceed further. Otherwise, you are disappointed, frustrated, and we get, you know, uh, sometimes we don't, we stop there. We don't proceed further. Let it go, proceed further. <clears throat> Is that clear?
your thinking is good you realize that for achieving a goal you require means goal is called end and the, uh, the, the the means to achieve that that you realize that, that you need that so you you should you can ask for it you should for achieving a certain goal i know that i require certain qualities i require certain qualification i require certain things in me Please give me that also. So I think my eyes, God, my memory is not good enough. Please help me. My grasping is not good enough. Help me. What I need more self-confidence. Help me. Or whatever qualities you think that you require, ask. Well, no problem. And also understand, as I said, we will discuss all these kind of questions. How to get self-confidence, how to get chadha, how to do this thing, you know. But it is a good idea to ask for means also and not ask for the end. Because when you ask for the means, you show your willingness also to work and participate. So when you say, God, give me please good memory, give me self-confidence. So you realize that you require these things. And you also will participate to work to acquire those qualities. So certainly ask for qualities as well as the end. And you see when you ask for those qualities that show the certain maturity on your part that achieving any goal always requires preparedness. They said, deserve before you desire. So you realize that I need to deserve. For deserving, I need to acquire these qualities. That shows your maturity. And then you yourself will, so how can God help you? By making you see this fact that you require these qualities. By helping you to understand how to acquire those qualities, what those qualities are, how to acquire those qualities, what should you do? You may need help. Suppose you want to improve your memory. You can seek help. There are, there are people who help you do that as an example. So there is help available for cultivating any kind of quality that you want. You want to learn English better, you want good spoken English, you want to improve your memory, you want self-confidence. There are people who help you for all of this. If you recognize that this is what I need, you can seek help. Where is that help available? And then train, work your, train yourself. So that way you will feel that you also contributed something. And that makes you uh, more confident in asking for help from God also ultimately. Give me this. How can God give you? By giving you what you require in terms of your own strength. How do you get this strength? Seeking help. So understand God alone is aware in all these different forms. He alone is helping you through others. If you ask for help from your father, from your mother, from your sibling, for friend, for professional, Ultimately, God gives you the inspiration to seek help from the right place. And that's how you grow. Right? Yes, sir. Yeah, good.
Any any question? No. Let us start with a topic here. Ananda has given you those books. You got this book? Yeah, you got this. The Management Wisdom from the Bhagavad Gita. So, we will use that as sort of a textbook in general. And we will discuss the topics that are discussed in the book. So, first topic as you will see is called success. Now, what you hear from me may not all be there in the book by the way. What you hear from me is somewhat different from what is in the book, that doesn't matter. But after listening to me, it will be helpful for you to refer to the book also and study that and think about it. So today we will introduce this topic of success. You can close the book right now, don't worry, don't, you just listen. If you wish, you can make some notes if you want while listening to me. But the reason why the book is there so that it, the help is there with you. <coughs> so we chose the topic, first topic as success. So the question was, are we born with a purpose? Answer is yes. You are born with a purpose of being, to be successful is a purpose. Everybody has one purpose and that is to be successful in life. Now, why do I say that? That is because if you look at your own mind and what it is that you, why will find that you always want something. The mind always wants one thing or the other. Mind wants one thing. You provide that, it is happy for a while, wants another thing, like a child. Right now wants candy, you give the child the candy, happy, but sometimes, mom can I have that toy? Give the toy, leave it for a while, comes back, mom can I have a new pair of something else, you know. How the child keeps asking one thing after the even after fulfilling a given need, how the child keeps coming back with one need after the other. So also we find that our mind comes back to us with one need after the other. I wanted admission in a given college, school, I got it. I want a certain score in the test, I got it. I want admission in a given college, I got it. I want admission in a given branch of study. I got it. I wanted uh, a certain uh, grade point or you know class or whatever rank. I got it. I wanted a certain kind of job. I got it. In the given department. Got it. Wanted promotion. Got it. You see that this is how the mind keeps on asking for one thing after the other. When one request is fulfilled, you have experienced it for a while, you enjoy what it is and then you want something next. Observe this tendency of the mind, how it is always asking for one thing after the other, it is called desire. The mind keeps on desiring. We fulfill the desire, it is happy for a while, it enjoys that object of desire and I wanted a new pair of clothes, then I wear it and I stand before the mirror and then enjoy it. So good, go to party etc, enjoy that new pair of clothes. Their mind wants something else, he saw something else, somebody had a shoes, pair of shoes, oh I want to have that. So we find that the mind keeps on coming with the desire for one thing after the other. 
and you have to think. Why does the mind keep on desiring one thing after that, even though we keep on fulfilling its desires? It seems that the desires never come to an end. Follow? What is the reason why the desires of the mind never come to an end? They say it is like pouring butter in the fire. In fire, you pour butter, the fire is not satisfied, it wants more butter. You keep on pouring the butter, fire wants more and more. And so also you keep on fulfilling the desires, the mind wants more and more. This is a phenomenon, this is the story of every human being. This is the story of every human being. It's the nature of human mind. That it is not, it doesn't have a lasting satisfaction with anything. It gets what it wants, enjoys it for a while, then gets used to that and wants something more. So as long as you did not have that job, you got it, you work hard for it, you got that job, you are happy. After a while you get used to that. Then what next? You wanted a house, a five bedroom house, let us say. You work very hard and you built it and now you, are, you moved into the home and then enjoy the house. You view, what are the views from different windows? And, yeah. Enjoy. Three months, six months, nine months. Then mind says, what next? Oh, I think we should have new furniture. Have that, enjoy that. What next? So mind seems to be wanting something or the other, even though you fulfill the desires, the desires never come to an end. It is, it is worth watching this tendency of the mind, without judging it. But this is the nature of every human mind. When you listen to Swamis and Mahatma, they condemn, don't desire. Become free from desire. That cannot be done. We have no choice. We do not desire willfully, desire happens. See, when somebody asks you to do something, you can do it provided you have freedom to do that. I can ask you, please stand up. You'll stand up. Sit down. You'll sit down. Because you can stand up, you can sit down. So I say, all of you sit six inches above your chair, let us say. Each of you, please sit six inches above your chair. How come you are not doing it? Even if you respect Swami and wants to obey what he says and still sitting six inches of a chair, you cannot do what? You don't do. Why? How come you are not doing it? I am telling you. I am asking you. How come you don't do it? You are disrespecting me, aren't you? No, that is an unfair request. The Swami is asking you to do something which you cannot do, which you don't have freedom to do. We can only do that for which we have freedom to do. If I tell you, please stand up, you may, if you respect, I mean, you know, if you want to respect me, you'll stand up. Please clap. You clap. Because you can do that. With a split stand on your head. You may not be able to do that. See, what I'm saying is, if somebody asks us to do something which we cannot do, for which 
we don't have freedom to do, then we cannot fulfill that request. Do you follow? Even if you like, you cannot fulfill the request. It is not within your freedom, within your control. There are certain things that are in our control, certain things which are not in our control. When somebody says, don't desire, don't desire. Have you heard this kind of things? If you, if you listen to lectures and Vedanta, etc., this is a common, don't desire. Can you not desire? Do you have freedom not to desire? Now think about it. I'll leave that, you know, but understand that desire arises. It is not the due desire. Desire happens in your mind. It is not that you desire. You say, please. Say, Om. Then you can do that because performing that action is within your control. You have the freedom to do that. But desire is something that happens in your mind. You don't desire, desire happens. Therefore, if somebody asks you, don't desire, it's not something that you can do. Then you get frustrated. Oh, my Guru said, don't desire, and I keep on, I know, desire, I desire, you know. So sometimes it, it creates complex in us. Oh, this is what Guruji says, but I can't do that. Don't get angry. You know, this is what mother will say, father, don't get angry. You find yourself getting angry anyway. Even though I would like to what my father says, I am not able to do. I get angry anyway. Why? Because I don't get angry. Anger comes. So thus, this is the desire. It keeps on coming. Not that we want desire or we, we are desiring. Desire keeps on coming. We keep on fulfilling desire. We keep on arising. What does it show? It shows something. This desire is a privilege of human being. You want to desire, you want to be better than what you are. You want to be more powerful than what you are. You want to be more knowledgeable than what you are. You want to be more well-known than what you are. You want to be more wealthy than what you are. You want to be more powerful than you are. You know, that's the kind of desires we have. You want to be better than what you are. This kind of desire that you you want to become something else. You want to become somebody else. Means something else means stronger than what you are, wealthier than what you are, more powerful than what you are, smarter than what you are, stronger than what you are. So all kinds of workout is done. This is something very unique to a human being, this desiring. And this is what we want to focus our attention to. Desire. And we'll learn something from that. We want to learn something from that. Not condemning desire, but learning something from that. So right now I will stop here, leaving you sort of in a limbo anyway, but asking you to think about this. Observe your mind. See how desires come. You can observe, you can look at your own past. Now one thing and after it came, kept coming and you kept on fulfilling desire, your parents, others kept on, how they keep on coming. So just observe that process. Is it true or not? If that is true, then you try to think. Why is it so? How come in spite of fulfilling desire, they keep on coming? What's the reason? Think about it. Next Sunday, when we will continue our discussion further, right? Okay. Little difficult lesson. I know it is not easy, but still I want you to observe your mind. Observe the tendency that it is desiring. 
is never satisfied with what it gets. Regardless, what you give to your mind, it wants it happy for a while, it wants more and more. Is it true? What I am saying, is it your experience that observe? And if it's so, then we can we'll we'll proceed further next week. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vasishade Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om